You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hadmaker coming to you from the Command Sharia. First off, Happy New Year. I wish you all the best in 2023, and I ain't just saying that. I know you, and I love you. Hey, let's talk about some old school training, and uh, we're going to do uh, not necessarily, hey, here's some how-tos. It's more some specifics of behind-the-scenes sort of work. Uh, obviously, it's going to be kind of steeped in uh, how old school thought was using what were called sliding interlocks and conditioning, and we'll see how a lot of the current science kind of backs up that approach to things. Uh, and kind of like lay the background for it if uh, a lot of steady state conditioning, steady is pretty much saying kind of doing the same or similar thing day in, day out or often uh, they're saying may not be as beneficial as we think. Don't get me wrong, there are definitely some positive effects. Doing something is better than doing nothing, right? But we also have to think about uh, repetitive stress injuries. I mean, that's where we get such things as carpal tunnel syndrome. We've got a gamer's thumb. We get the little neck that people's the little hump on our necks now whenever people are staring at the phone all the time. Any sort of irregular posture, strange, it takes it out of alignment or any kind of use that we do again and again. That's why we see factory workers with doing a same sort of thing will have a problem. People doing the same sort of bending over all the time may eventually lead to this discombobulation in the knees and hips and so on and so forth. Well, there's definitely a school of thought that was both from the old school folk and to a lot of, sort of the science is backing up today of doing the same sorts of thing again and again and again may indeed be kind of eaten into the gains that we're assuming that we could have. Again, repetitive stress injuries that just might be some of us uh, in, in, you know, using what we think is a good idea to help us might actually be digging up a bit of a hole or at least not giving us the progress that would uh, we're thinking to kind of set this stage. Let's go with a quote. We're going to uh, take this is from uh, you know philosopher, quant statistician, historian uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, and this is on how systems can become fragile even when the intent is to improve, as is the case with conditioning training. And let's go to him. This is from uh, his volume, The Black Swan: The Impact of the Highly Improbable, which, by the way, I recommend all of uh, uh, Taleb's work. It's always prickly, sometimes difficult, sometimes not, and even if you don't agree with everything, there's usually food for thought on uh, every other page. So, quote. Our ancestors mostly had to face very light stones to lift, mild stressors. Once or twice a decade, they encouraged, uh, they encountered the need to lift a huge stone. So where on earth did this idea of steady exercise come from? Nobody in the Pleistocene jogged for 40 minutes, three days a week, lifted weights every Tuesday and Friday with a bullying but otherwise nice personal trainer, or played tennis at 11 on Saturday mornings. Not hunters. We swung between extremes. We sprinted when chased or when chasing uh, once in a while in an extremely exerting way and walked about aimlessly the rest of the the time. Marathon running is a modern abomination, particularly when it is done without emotional stimuli, unquote. Now, there's some prickliness in there because particularly if you're a big fan of a long distance marathon running on this, it sounds like he's, you know, you know, uh, throwing stones as it were at some of it. And, and he is, but it's meant to be, we got to follow just the emotional intent of what's being involved, uh, involved there. Uh, and I also would ask us, do we have any of us? Like I've been on the planet 57 years now, and I know I've been through many different training modalities in my life before I finally ballparked in old school ways with uh, unleaded uh, conditioning. Um, 
if you've ever, and I have, I've done this to myself, if you ever have any sort of conditioning that you're going to go, oh, I had, some, had a good run yesterday, my knees are hurting a little bit, but, you know, other than that, though, I did a great time on it. It was my personal best in the 5K. Or I had a lift. Yeah, my, my elbow's a little jacked up right now. I can feel it going in there, but the bench is looking good. If we're saying this, we should also be hearing what's going. We're intending to do something for health, but if we're going to go, there's some twings and dings from it. That's, uh, that's strange. It'd be like saying that every time we ate a particular meal, yeah, I get really nauseous but it's good for you and you go well perhaps not there's a signal going on here it doesn't mean that running's bad for you the bench press is necessarily bad for you but it could be the way we're going about it or perhaps the steady state nature of it you know on and on that's the idea behind it if we have something that is has some signals on there that is not necessarily correct i'm not talking about muscle soreness we're going to go we can't be afraid of that sort of thing we're actually talking about the dings uh, that come along something that are pervasive uh, actually things that are digging holes for us that uh, the effects of something that's meant to be good for us that is uh, called iatrogenics so if uh, it's something that is intending to do well but actually has some uh, impactful harms on it uh, that could be a danger Again, the quote is meant to provide a course correction for what follows. Mr. Taleb and numerous studies support this disdain for steady-state approaches to fitness or even most things in life. I mean, we got to realize that variability is in conversation is spice. I mean, uh, variability in the arts or any stimuli, including natural scenery, this adds stimulating vigor to the organism and keeps attention firing and popping. If we had to have the same damn conversation every single day, uh, we would opt out of it. That's often why, after a while, small talk gets to be... <laughs> You can't do it anymore. You want some little spicier. Move on. At a diet of the exact same conversation or same conversational topics, it leads to staleness and loss of engagement. Non-varying scenery on a drive, that begins to atrophy the sensory system. We've got to think about if any of us have a commute to the same place, the same, uh, the same route again and again and again, we really kind of stop seeing what's going on. The billboards or whatever we're seeing becomes invisible to us because we start getting this take it for granted or a generalship. And sometimes uh, there can be small changes there. You know, that's why we can have the thing. I've, I just drove 20 miles and I'd, people ask you, what, were, what did you see? And you go, God, I, I really have no idea. You just kind of blanked out on it. You didn't crash the car or anything, but you're kind of turning off so much of the century uh, system so there's not an engagement going on but now consider this this is how deep this can go we can render the optic system or any system blind to uh we'll, we'll take this we can render the optic system blind to vertical stripes or horizontal stripes or any deprived stimuli simply by raising the organism in a specified stripe deprived environment and I'll uh, illustrate this. A particularly cruel experiment along these lines was conducted with kittens. One group of kittens was raised in an environment devoid of horizontal stripes. The other group had no exposure to vertical stripes. If you prowl around on the Internet, you could actually see photos from this experiment, and it's just, it's just sad. Don't do it. When released into environments that contain both stripes of variations, the optic system of these cruelly treated kittens rendered them unable to process the deprived stripe, leading them to bump into the vertical uprights of tables and such obstacles if they've been deprived of the vertical stimuli. So simply by depriving them of that stimuli, they could no longer see it. They couldn't process it. And that's uh, fascinating the sense that otherwise you have an optic system that works just fine. These kittens are not blind. They just no longer knew how to handle a particular uh, set of stimuli. So if we have something, uh, again, it comes back to steady state. If we're only doing one or two things at most there, and, we, uh, and we're assuming that this is going to give us some uh, fitness improvements across other domains, we may just be like the, the kittens and the stripes. It doesn't necessarily hold there whatsoever. 
Uh, this sort of blindness can happen uh, in just standard stimuli. You don't have to keep someone isolated as we do with the kittens. There's, uh, for, we know we hear of uh, like jungle blindness, for example. Rainforest explorers of earlier centuries mentioned the malady called jungle blindness. Uh, see, those raised in thick rainforest where vegetation allows no vistas beyond a few yards. Uh, or if you've, spent, uh, if you've been an explorer and you go head down there and you spend like you know, 30 to 90 days in it, this leads to the phenomenon where indigenous peoples or people who had been in the thick for some time, when you're first exposed to the open plains outside the jungle, they could not sufficiently gauge distance, having been deprived of this varying stimulus in the day-to-day. That way you couldn't tell, is this tree well, 10 yards for me is 100 yards for me? In all other uh, uh, aspects, these indigenous peoples are functionally fit, good sensory warriors, but when faced with these open vistas, they encountered problems of inaccurate evaluation. For example, a man in the distance may be judged to just be very close, but just small. Uh, it's, it's strange to consider that, <laughs> think about such a thing, but it, it happens. Now, we have to think about this. Uh, we can consider steady-state conditioning as a jungle blindness correlate. Likewise, conditioning that pursues the same mode, be that a, the same set exercise pattern, the set sequences, set intensities, even set times, can lead to a remarkable specificity effect that in the long term hamstrings the wish for attributes to respond in modes outside of the set parameters. There's also a uh, possible toxic nature of steady-state conditioning. Uh, and, you know, prior to, we, we just touched on the likely limits of exercise conditioning as a prescribed specific. Now, let us move on to the concept of toxicity, toxicity of exposure. So we're talking about having a diet, steady diet of the exact same thing may lead to blindness to any attribute outside of that because conditioning or anything is very specific. I mean, we know that... Uh, you know, in all domains, I mean, you can learn to play chess very, very well, but it doesn't mean you're great at, you know, uh, playing poker and, you know, and vice versa. You, you're building up that skill set within that domain just because you play tennis wonderfully doesn't mean you're going to be equally wonderful at billiards and on and on. Uh, now, again, the possible toxic nature of steady state can uh, manifest of, uh, well, one can become inured to a certain level of stresses. Uh, that holds for many stresses, from exercises uh, to the alkaloids in certain vegetables and beyond. It's like uh, uh, some of us who have a, a particular, not a problem with eating you know, particular hot sauces and hot peppers. A lot of that is gradually getting used to whatever that plant's uh, defensive system is, and we kind of, uh, becoming through mithridatism, actually become more uh, immune to aspects of it, to a certain degree to any certain extent that something is going to burn us all but you could steady exposure you know improves the organism and that's what exercise is steady exposure to some stresses and all this improves the muscle uh, uh, the uh, to re- uh, ability to respond the cardiovascular system to be able to to handle more stress and loads uh, now we may be inured or even strengthened in the face of such stressors if the dosage is managed and non-regular but this is for good and bad things this can hold for infrequent doses of substances that would otherwise be harmful we have, we such a, see such an effect with radioactive materials. See, steady state, long-term exposure to radiation. Well, that's bad news. All right. Uh, whereas the calculated small dosages in infrequent intervals is the base mechanism behind certain cancer therapies. So again, steady state is it can be problematic. So we have to consider what are the dosages going on here and how we're applying them. And steady state in many things is actually just really not the way to go. Uh, 
occasional stressors to the system. I mean, uh, system say bungee jumping, a polar plunge, a speech before a crowd. If you're, you know, averse to such things, these wind up providing short-term, short-term stress dosages that you know those wind up invigorating the system. That's why, uh, you know, whether it's psycho- uh, cognitive behavioral therapist and uh, uh, highly suggest constantly tell yourself to you, have yourself do something new and strange all the time. Many warrior cultures, indigenous culture, particularly from the plains and southwest tribes, would have what's called the culture of uh, the clown or reverse living or the backward living where you it's almost a requirement to do very unusual things even if they have nothing to do with warriorship because it winds up uh, invigorating the system the psyche and this it could be something where you're learning you have to live backwards for a, a, a seven days that is you know walk backwards uh, speak backwards do everything you know backwards or you know go just anything that distresses you makes you a little bit uncomfortable but it's notice it's only done the set strange irregular times it's not a steady all the time sort of thing because then you be, take it for granted become saturated or you become kitten blind to something it is not necessarily the commute or the traffic itself that dulls our senses. In isolation, these are neutral. It is the repeated regular exposure to the exact same route, the exact same kind of traffic that may cause the harm, just as with the striped-deprived kittens. Now, steady-state conditioning is, by nef- definition, a slow-dose stressor. I'm just saying, hey, I'm going to work out you know, these, uh, these five days a week. I'm going to do these same factors and be around these same set times. Well, that's steady-state, and that's slow-dose moving down the line. But many conditioning regimens are constructed exactly along that sort of regularly scheduled stressor. The regular 45-minute spinning session, the lifting workout comprised of the same big five, day in, day out. Uh, now, we may not th- think about the iatrogenic effects, remember the self-harming effects of these regular exposures, because we can read the handful of benefits in a few strictly defined areas and assume progress across the board. I mean, like the Peloton devotee may see the improvement in targeted heart rate on a fake hill climb and make assumptions of progress outside of this domain that may not take into account the myriad of factors outside the task-specific game of the fake hill climb. Or the heavy squatter may see plates accrued on the bar and assume a hardihood that exists nowhere else but beneath that bar. Again, I'm not saying anything, uh, I'm not saying squatting is bad in and of itself. The peloton is, is bad in and of itself. We're talking about dosages and repeated uses and the steady-state nature of it. Now, to kibosh this, this is where we see cross-training rears its head. Most manifestly, we see it with the CrossFit. Uh, to, just, uh, to combat these such steady-state games that may turn to cross-training to round out the game, so to speak. And that's where you hear things like, you know, I lift three days a week and then I pound the pavement for two days. And that's kind of nice and well-rounded stuff, which is, in essence, taking two forms of steady-state exposure and combining them, which is not a solution to the steady-state conundrum at all. Or we can produce, uh, pursue a completely randomized route of, like, I did deadlifts today, and I do pull-ups uh, the day before, and then uh, next is going to be running a 5K, and then the day after that I'll be working on my handstand, walking on and on, unquote. Now, this randomized tech comes a bit closer to beating that steady state problem, but... You got to think about this. Those who have a great deal of experience with the randomization also realize this confers no great gains in any single area. So it's good exercise because the the organism is moving. But if we're wanting to see uh, exceptional progress or uh, growth in a particular aspect, this is too randomized. If you wanted to get really good at your deadlift and saying, oh, it's programmed like three times a, a month, not good enough. If you want to be a master handstand walker, 
about once or twice a month. That's not good enough. We need more exposure to that. We need, so this completely randomized way to go doesn't, I mean, it keeps the system exercised, but if you have your eye on a different sort of prize, particular progress in all the, uh, the 16 primaries of uh, conditioning, well, it's not quite going to cut it to have that few uh, small bits of exposure. So we still, it's a tough riddle to, to get around. Now, specificity of exercise is pursued because, well, it works. It can improve the performance in the given endeavor. But as we've already said, it may forsake or assume gains elsewhere. And in fact, the steady state may be to our kitchen, uh, kitten stripe detriment. This is called the halo effect, where we assume mastery in one area is going to give us uh, expand out and, and, and encompass other areas. And it just simply doesn't happen. Now, the randomized approach helps us to stave off staleness, but its covering of many bases can lead to less steady improvement in desired uh, area, uh, endeavors. So between the two, I mean, the, it's really tough not to crack. Now, let's go back to the old school way and notice this. There's something called sliding interlocks. Old school thought had a solution to this conundrum. In a nutshell, primary movements or attributes were prized. And these attributes are broadly 16 broad categories. And progress must be made in the primaries. But it was also recognized that grinding on the primaries day in, day out would lead to staleness in the soul and the end limit performance in tangential endeavors. And this is the athletic equivalent of, of jungle blindness. So, again... Uh, they don't, it's, even though there's 16 primaries, we're just going to take two here. We'll talk about, we'll do push-pull. We'll talk about the back. We'll talk about pulling musculature, and we'll talk about pushing mus musculature. We'll say the chest. So we're going to cut these 16s down to two. So rather than go, let's say we say for the back, what's wonderful for it is the pull-up. And I would, you know, I would quibble with that. And what's great for it is the uh, push-up or, or, or the bench press. But the old school thought of saying, you're going to train these, pri these two primaries every single session. But they will not necessarily use those two aspects. There's always going to be something different with it. So you might have a non-repeating. You might see a bench press that only pops up once or twice or three times a month. But it doesn't mean the, the chest or the pushing has been left alone. And there's always something going on. This dilemma was solved by never, never ignoring a primary, which randomization must do by definition, but making each session have a new version of the primary slide by another new version of another primary. Here's an example of Illuminate. We'll feature, uh, again, these, uh, these mere two primaries here. We'll, we'll pick two more primaries. We'll say the thighs slash hips in the back. Rather than hit the same two to three big squat exercises of pull-ups or perhaps rows for the back, uh, a staggering variety of leg choices and back choices would be on the table, and each of these would be hit, a hit in their own revolving manner, not merely as periodization. That is, I'll do back squats and wide grip chins for four weeks, and then I'll switch. Now, this approach is merely alternating the numbing, commuting uh, route uh, each, every four weeks. It's still steady state, but you're just eating it in bite-sized chunks. So rather than going, yeah, I do this workout for four weeks and then this one for four weeks, and that still gives me the gains, but I can get switch off about the time I'm getting super stale with it. No, instead, sliding interlocks say each and every session features a new take on the primary from a revolving menu of effective exercises. The revolving nature meant that each session 
is different. Every single session is different stimuli, but the primary needs are never ignored, which is an interesting way to go. Each primary had its own set of revolutions, so even the pairings and sequencing would seldom repeat. That is, just because you did gorilla squats for thighs and hips and arch sways for back today does not mean that pairing will repeat anytime soon, even though you will be hitting the thighs and hips and the backs every single training day. Those exercises that you used on them will pop up seldom, and even then they may not uh, come in in that same coupling next time you see them manifest. Now, this sliding interlock approach allows true progress to be made with all aspects of conditioning without staleness setting in or falling prey to the steady state uh, cortisol conundrum. You know, steady state can keep cortisol uh, secreted high. And if you're trying to build muscle or conditioning, well, this is anathema. Cortisol is what happens whenever you're distressed, like you're having a bad day. And we, if, you do, if your workout's causing you to have a bad day, then that's actually cross-purposes to why we do it. Variety is indeed the spice of life, and it turns out the fuel for physical performance, but that variety must still adhere to hitting all 16 of the combat athlete primaries. Anything less may be causing a bit of blindness to some stripes in your physical performance environment. Let me give you a little bit of an uh, unleaded interlock sidebar. Unle- unleaded, by the way, is, uh, for the uninitiated, is, uh, it's, uh, it's a conglomeration of old-school conditioning tactics, which primarily focuses on using body weight and, and weight along the way. Uh, uh, they use this sliding interlock, and uh, we are slowly releasing volumes on that. And I'll give you, uh, just a matter of fact, January 1st, in time for New Year's resolutions, we just released uh, the unleaded conditioning, the back battery, which is our entire 12-point uh, list of things for the back and again it's constructed in such a sliding interlock methodology um now, each of these exercises is meant to slide an interlock. We've already released the chest battery, and here's how the interlock would work if you decide to use such program, or you can just pay, kind of pay attention here. You can take your own and see how we mean for this to work. See, the battery, uh, the back battery, 12 exercises, requires not one weight. No, just you, Y-O-U, that's it. This is you, no weight. you got a pull-up bar, great, and get how many pull-ups are in there? You don't do any pull-ups. There's no pull-ups in here. There are some pulling aspects in it, but the standard pull-up you think of, it just doesn't exist. It's not here. Now, here's, uh, again, kind of how this idea will work in a nutshell. Uh, the Keep in mind, I'm 57 years old, and I feel like this is the best, at least the external chassis, the best shape I've ever been. And you tell it to all the things I've broken. That's different. Uh, how this would work is you would choose exercise one from the back battery and exercise one from the chest battery and hit your three sets. Uh, set one of the, the back and then proceeding directly to set one of the chest. And then right back to set two of the back, set uh, two of the chest. You're running back and forth here, so you're keeping the metabolic fires burning high, so you have to do you know less so-called cardio on top of that and you could do this so why don't you hit the third set which is the so-called the uh the the working set where we're applying one of our three random stressors and i don't give those away here we we discuss how those are done in both the chest battery and the back battery and these uh these exercises done once you've done these three sliding interlocks of one exercise from each of those uh, primaries right there boom you, you move on to the next coupling of, of primaries. So by the time you're done, you've done your strength work, you've done your aesthetics work, and you've done your metabolic pushing work, I mean, uh, conditioning work. It's, it's a win-win-win. And then day two, you would move on to uh, number two in each of those rosters, playing those, uh, playing those as interlocks. And again, I have found for me, this stays off staleness greatly, allows you to train primaries each and every single training day and keeps that metabolic fire uh, um, riding high, reducing the need for extra cardio and interlocking all 16 primaries just really becomes uh, the cardio. 
Uh, well, anyway, enough of that. This one's been a little bit longer than usual, but uh, I think you should find this. If you follow a long thing about exercise, a steady state, if you've got big you know, d- uh, dings and dings after you've done your runs or your lifting and all this, you've got to ask yourself, if something causes me a problem while I'm doing it, hmm, and that's supposed to be for health, hmm, over it requires i got to put on my knee brace, i got to do this before I do this, you go, well, that's interesting. For health, why would we need this kind of support or supplementation? supposed to be able to do it because you're able to do it and it's supposed to feel good before you do it while you do it and after you do it anyway if you want some more detail on what we've got here i'll provide in uh, a link in the show notes where you can take a look at the sort of a printed version of what we just discussed here uh, this has been more of an extrapolation extrapolation uh, i'll also give you a link if you want to jump in or look more of these unleaded programs i'm talking about go in there and take a look and if you want to give it a shot I gotta tell you man it's been working like a charm for this old man i mean i started at uh 55 and man i'm talking inside three to six months it was just like whoo i wish i'd been doing this my whole life but so the testimonial comes from me so is that suspect i guess but i'm trying to be honest have a good one crew well if you dig what we just discussed today uh i'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast hell support it if you want i'm not your dad do what you want and if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. <laughs>